Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Last Sunday, we have established through the Scriptures two vital and important truths if you were here. First, the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit living within us and enabling us to face and overcome every test and every trial we may face. The second truth we've established is that His presence within us by the Spirit, empowers the believer to fulfill his God-given purpose. And of course, finish the good works which the Father prepared beforehand according to Ephesians 2.10 that we should walk in them. Therefore, Our greatest need as disciples of Christ is to cultivate and to develop an ever-increasing, intimate, personal relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Would you agree with that? Amen? Without Him, we are completely powerless and helpless. The challenge is that we need to learn more and more each day how to depend and rely on Him every single day of our lives. It's a good day when you depend on the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's a blessed day when you rely on Him for little things as well as great things because He is the one who knows how to help you to face your day, your future, without fear, amen, and with confidence. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. So, what we're going to do now is read once again the foundation scriptures for our lesson today. The first one we read last Sunday, I'm picking up from where I left off last Sunday. The first one we're going to read is found in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, and the second one in Titus chapter 2 verse 14. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk In them. Titus 2.14 says, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So, fulfilling our purpose in Christ and reaching our heavenly goal 
as we mentioned last Sunday, means that we complete the works, the good works, which have been assigned to us in Christ by our Heavenly Father. Amen? That is your purpose. That is my purpose. God wanted something done on this earth in the season that we are in, so he gave birth to you so that you may fulfill that God-given purpose that he had designed for you and I. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 also says that we are not saved by works. It's important to understand that. We are saved by grace. How? Through faith for the purpose of walking in good works. Good works don't save us. Amen? But once we are saved, one of the uh, testimonies or the confirmation that we have been regenerated by the grace of God is that we are walking in those good works that the Father ordained for us to do. Now, of course, you may ask, what type of works are labeled as good? What kind of works does the Bible define as a good work? So before I answer that question, let's define what is not a good work. Amen? Then we get a better understanding what is a good work in the eyes of God. Well... The Bible speaks of dead works. You ever read that? Both Hebrews and other places in the Bible talk about dead works. And these dead works are not good works, are not acceptable with God. In fact, the Scripture commands us that we repent from dead works. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. You ever read that? Amen. So first of all, dead works are the works of spiritually dead people trying to reach God or attain salvation through their own efforts. Dead person, spiritually dead person, cannot produce any good works in the eyes of God. No matter how good it may seem, if the person is spiritually dead, it is not acceptable with God. So that's a dead work. And religion has many of those good works, trying to reach God through our own efforts. Second, a dead work, listen carefully, is one that is initiated and birthed by our own efforts. In other words, relying on the strength of our own human nature. That's a dead work. In other words, these are works of the flesh and not of the spirit. Okay? So these kind of works, the dead works, generate a very prideful and arrogant boasting. I did this and I did this and we did this and we've done that and so on and so forth. So in the eyes of God, that is an abomination. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 29, 
no flesh should ever glory in the presence of God. We can't stand before God and say, I did this and I did that. That's boasting. Amen? Not even Jesus himself took credit for the works that he did. He said, it is not I, the Father in me, he doeth the works. Can you imagine that? You with me so far? Now let's define what is classified as a good work in the eyes of God. What are good works? And James gives us the answer to that very question. And we're going to read James chapter 2, verse 18, and verse 20 through to 22. I don't want to read the whole portion for the sake of time. James says the following, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? There is our answer. From what James tells us, we draw the conclusion that the kind of works which are labeled as good works in the eyes of God are the works of faith. It's important to remember that. The works that correspond with our faith are the good works that the Father is looking for in each and every one of us. Amen? Any work whether in word or deed, that is inspired and executed by faith in God is a good work. Amen? That's what James says. If we look over in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible refers to the men and women of God who through their faith were able to accomplish the impossible. If you read Romans, uh, rather Hebrews chapter 11, it lists all of the works of the great men of God. Not all of them, but most of them. And he names names like David and Moses and Abraham and Isaac. It lists the works of faith. Because they believed in God, therefore their actions or the works corresponded with what they believed. So that's what faith does. Faith energizes, empowers the believer to walk in great power doing the works of God. Those are the kind of works that Jesus accepts as good works. And he confirms that by the answer he gave to those who asked him this question. They came up to him and they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Now, that's a very simple question, amen? What shall we do that we may do the works of God? And listen to the answer that Jesus gave in John 6, 28 and 29. And Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he hath sent. You see, once you believe, 
and your faith is active and alive and not dead, works will follow. Amen? So our faith in God and reliance on Jesus will inspire and initiate these good works we are purposed to walk in. Another way in which we can define a good work is the work that is done by the grace of God working in us and through us. Let me explain. In other words, Christ within us doing and working the works of God as we yield ourselves in obedience to his word. That's a good work. That's the work of grace or the work of Christ within us. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 clarifies that. He says, for it is God who works in you. Who's working in you? As you yield, he works. As you surrender, he works. And that's what Paul says. It is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So who's doing the works? That's why no flesh can glory in his presence. Not I, but Christ that lives within me. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet, not I. But Christ now lives in me. And then he clarifies that by saying, and the life which I now live in this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's, it's, it's important that we understand this so that you don't take any credit. Oh, you know, thank you so much and you've done this wonderful thing for me. You know, I, I may not say it always, but I would, inside me, I would say, Lord, I give you the glory. You did it. I had nothing to do with it. It was your grace. It was your compassion. It was your kindness within me doing that very work. Amen? That way we take no glory because we had nothing to do with it. It was God himself who worked that work through you. Whether it was a word of encouragement, whether it was a, a work of generosity, whether it was a work of forgiveness, those are good works. Amen? So God works in us and through us that which is pleasing in his sight. So it is no longer our works, but his. Amen? That's why we can't take any credit for it. Paul the Apostle confirmed this, and, um, and he said, I have nothing to boast about, because through the cross of Christ I have been crucified to the world, and the world was crucified to me. And he also said, this is important, Colossians, or rather, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10, he says the following, For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Now, if he stopped there, you would think that he was bragging about the works that he has done, right? But he didn't stop then. He says, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. That's a good work. Because it is the grace of God within him that worked harder than any other apostle. How come? Why was that? 
obviously, because he was so fully surrendered to the Lord and so fully yielded to him that God was released through him to do those works. And that's what God will do for any single one of us, regardless of who you are, where you come from, what your position is or lack of it. If we are fully surrendered to the Lord and say, here I am, Lord, then God will work in us mightily. And that's my prayer this year, that we are fully yielded to the Lord. As a church and as individuals, as families, that we say, here we are, Lord. We are here to fulfill those God-given works you've given to each one of us to do. We are here to bring heaven onto the earth. How can we do that? Here I am, Lord. Anoint me to do what needs to be done. Amen? Whether it's in my family or my community or to my neighbor or whatever. As we yield ourselves to the Lord, the grace of God is released and empowers us to do what is impossible for any human being to do. Just yesterday, I got a call from a young man. And he shared some things with me and, um, and, and he said, you know, I'm so sorry I repent about this and all of that, and I didn't pay my tithes for a long time, and I just, I just wanted to confess it to you. I've asked the Lord already to forgive me, and I'm confessing it to you. I have been struggling financially, and I made a promise to the Lord this year that I was going to do this and this, and I'm, I'm not going to miss my tithe anymore. I said, okay, I will agree with you. And just as I put the phone down, the grace of God within me just rose up. He said, why don't you sow a seed in this man's life? A financial seed. So I called him back. I said, give me your account number. And when I did, he broke down, crying like a little child. He said, no one has ever done that for me. And I don't know of any pastor who would ever do that for any one of his congregation. He said, I'm speechless. I said to him, it was not I. It was the grace of God. You know, both my wife and I have a fund that every month we put money into that fund that we like to call the poor fund. And every money I put money there in case something like this happens. So that when it happens, I don't have to go look for it. It's there. And it's for that purpose. And I was directed by the Spirit of God to do that. I encourage you to do the same. You will be blessed immensely. Amen? I, I, I wasn't going to share this, but I thought... You know, we're talking about the grace of God working within us as we yield ourselves to Him to do whatever He desires. And listen, folks, nothing belongs to us. We don't own anything. Not even your own life is your own. The Bible says we belong to Him. He paid for our redemption with His own precious blood. Your house isn't yours. Your car that you drive isn't yours. Your money isn't yours. You're just a steward of what God has blessed you with. And as stewards, we are called by God to be, what? Faithful stewards. And to steward that which he blessed us with wisely. 
so that God receives the glory. Amen? So Paul says, I've worked harder than any other apostle, yet not I. But the grace of God that was working through me by his grace. As I mentioned also, Christ never took any credit for any of the works that he did. He said so in John 14 and verse 10. He said, do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me, he doeth the works. Imagine that. Never took any credit for any word that he spoke. He said, the words that I speak are the Father's. The works that I do is the Father in me. He does the work. That is Christianity, folks. That's what God looks to us every single day, that we would release him through our faith to work his works within us. Amen. So, I trust that I was able to explain and define clearly to you what is a dead work. Now you know, if you didn't know before, and what is a good work. Amen? Now, these good works, or I'd like to call them also as divine assignments. You know God gives you assignments? Amen? And he expects you to rely on his grace to fulfill those assignments because those assignments cannot be done, most of them, by the human nature or the strength of the human flesh. Amen? So these defined assignments are given to us by God for the purpose of extending and establishing the influence of his kingdom in our spheres of influence. Amen? Through our good works or the works of God through us, God the Father is glorified because these works testify of the goodness of God. They testify of our great salvation that we receive through Christ, causing us to even shine brighter and brighter. Jesus said, let your light so shine that they may see what? So how does your light shine? Through good works. When they see the good works, they will glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So I pray that this year, our works of righteousness or our works of faith will multiply, not just increase, but multiply, so that we can shine even brighter than we've ever shone before. So if you are wondering, how can you shine? This is the way. Find out those good works that God ordained for you to do? Well, this is a good question. <laughs> now that we know what God has ordained for us to do, and uh, how can we know? How, how are we to know what God has ordained for us to do, and what kind of works are we to pursue? Because there are some works, some, most of them are written in the Word, but there are some that are not written in the Word. And we will get into this probably next Sunday. So, this is what we need to know, and we must know. The works of God are hidden within the Scriptures. I say hidden 
Why? You're going to have to become a Bible scholar and a Bible student to find out what those works are. There are general, general works, but there are also specific works for individuals. They are hidden in the Scriptures. In fact, our entire life and journey on this earth is hidden in the Scriptures. Did you know that? Psalm 139 confirms this. Verse 16, the Passion says, You saw who you created me to be before I became me. In other words, before you were born, God knew you. And then he goes on to say, Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. (laughs) I wonder... Which chapter are you in at this stage of your life? You know, there's a book written about your life, what God dreamt and designed for you to become and to do. Praise the Lord. I I love that. And I don't believe that anyone would ever find joy, peace, or fulfillment in life unless he finds himself in the Scriptures and fulfills what was written about him. Jesus found himself in the Scriptures. It was written of me, he said. And that's why I'm doing, so that I can fulfill what was written about me. You know that every work, every deed, ought to be one that is fulfilling what was written about you and about me and about the church that we're part of. It's amazing. Jeremiah chapter 1 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you. And I've ordained you a prophet to the nations. There you go. That's your future, Jeremiah. That's your destiny. This is who I created you to be. And I knew you before you were even born. While you were in your mother's womb, I have already given you an assignment for you to fulfill. And this was not just written about Jeremiah. It was written about every single one of us. In fact, every human being that was born on the face of the earth, God knew them. That's why abortion, it is such a hideous and vile and ungodly act to terminate a life that God ordained to come on this earth and fulfill their God-given purpose and bless countless of lives is terminated. Are you listening to me? We ought to be standing up against those things. They are ungodly. They are devilish and satanic. Amen. So it was not just written for Jeremiah. So the only way for us to discover our God-given purpose is to become diligent students of the Bible. The Bible is not only the inspired Word of God, but it's also our map and guide for a successful and a prosperous life, folks. That's why we should love the Word of God more than anything else and study it. 
The psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, verse 5. So as you read, as you study the Word of God, the Holy Spirit within you will illuminate. You know what I mean by saying illuminate. Illuminate the Scriptures that apply to you and your situation on a personal level. This is not the only way, but I believe it's the primary way that God speaks to us. On the front of your Bible, I believe you should write, if you've got a paper Bible, this is my Bible. God speaks to me through my Bible. Amen? So, it's also important to mention that there are works prepared and intended for local churches, for ministries, for families, as well as designed specifically for individuals. And the only way you and I are going to find out what these works are is that we become diligent, prayerful students of the Word of God. I recall, I want to give you a bit of my testimony just to make it very simple. The very first assignment I received from the Lord that I remember was just after I was born again. In reading my Bible, I came across a verse of Scripture from the Gospel of Luke chapter 8 and verse 39. And this is what it said. Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Now, remember that these words were spoken by Jesus to the demoniac from Gadara, whom Jesus delivered from the legion of demons. You recall that? You read that in your Bible? But when I read those words, it was like the Holy Spirit illuminated those words, and it was as though God was speaking directly to me and commissioning me to do the same. I received this assignment from the Lord and I went back home and I told all the members of my family first of all, my in-laws and it went further into the community that I was part of. I would tell anyone who was willing to listen. I told them what great things God has done for me, how he delivered me from the power of sin and destruction and death and how he rescued me and how he healed and delivered and restored me and sent me back to my wife and restored my marriage. I told them, everybody. Well, I made a lot of people angry (laughs) and I've attracted a lot of persecution, particularly from my own household, but I did exactly what the Lord told me to do. And you know what? some of the members of my own Greek community believed as a result of my testimony. They believed. And I've just given you an example how the Lord through the Scriptures and the guidance of the Spirit guides us into these godly assignments. You would say to me, well, is that a godly work? 
of course. That is a godly assignment. That is a godly work that not only I, but every single one of you is commissioned and commanded to do the same. Did you know that? Well, we are to go and tell others. Amen? Tell others. What are we going to tell them? Our friends, our colleagues, our employers, our employees, our friends. We are to tell them the wonderful things that Jesus Christ has done for you. We are not to keep it a secret. Are you listening to me? We are to shout it from the rooftops. Jesus said, no one who lights a candle puts it under a bushel. And if Jesus has lit your candle, don't hide it. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Remember, Jesus also said, if you are ashamed of me and my words before men, I will also be ashamed of you before my Father which is in heaven. Wow. That's what Jesus said. Telling and testifying to others what Jesus did for us, I believe is one of the first good works we are to be continually doing after we get saved. And you know what? Not too much emphasis is given on this today. But I believe that's wrong. And I also believe that you will not grow spiritually or develop spiritually in any form, fashion, if you're embarrassed of telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. You're not going to grow. You can sit in church for years, but if you are afraid to open your mouth and tell others about the grace of God, the goodness of God, what he's done in your life, I believe that every believer should write his testimony down on a little booklet, you know. You may say, well, Jesus didn't do such great things for me. He didn't. That's because you haven't got a revelation of what he actually did for you. Just rescuing you from eternal death, burning in the like of fire. What do you call that? He didn't do anything great. Amen. I think, in my estimation, we, we lack true revelation knowledge of what we've been delivered from and what we have been delivered into. Amen. And this is my prayer this year, that every single one of us would open their mouth and tell others about Jesus. How would you know? How do you know whether you, somebody's going to hear your testimony and get saved? Amen? Or ask you, where do you go to church? And then you bring them, and they hear the word, and they get born again, and they develop spiritually, and they become a great blessing to the church and to the community they part of. But if you don't open your mouth, how are they going to hear? How are they going to know? Amen. Praise the Lord. Listen to what Psalm 107, verse 2 and 3 says from the Passion. So go ahead. Tell everyone, or let everyone know it. Tell the world how he broke through and delivered you from the power of darkness, and has gathered us together from all over the world. And he has set us free to be his very own. Wow. What does it say? What does the word say? That's a good work. Amen. 
tell everyone. Shout it from the rooftops. And the more you acknowledge what Jesus has done for you, the more real he becomes to you. And you become more and more appreciative of his great salvation. Praise God. Wouldn't you tell your friends, your colleagues, your boss, your employees, if you're in business, if you won five million rand on some jackpot or whatever, everybody would know about it. Amen. Well, this is much more than money. Jesus said, what value can you put on a man's soul? It's priceless. Amen. So, Lord Jesus, teach us. Teach us, we pray. Help us not to be ashamed of you, but to boldly testify of your great mercy toward us and to tell others about you and the wonderful work you've done in our life. Furthermore, and in closing, the Word of God will guide you further into your own God-given works as you apply yourself to obey what you read. You know, if you don't make up your mind and say, Lord, whatever I read in your word that applies to me, I will do. We must be willing not only to yield ourselves to the Lord, but to obey what he has written to us. Let me give you an example. In my early days, when I was born again, I sat down on a piece of paper, and I wrote, or rather, I located myself in the Scriptures. What do I mean by that? Well, I was a husband. I am a husband. At that time, my children were young, a father. I was an employer. I had employees. Amen? So, what does the Word say about husbands? That applies to me. Eh? Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And, it doesn't end there, and he gave himself for her. In other words, he laid down his life for the church. We ought to do the same. Amen? You see, folks, we've got to win the battle at home before we go any further. To the fathers, what does the, what does the word say to those who have children. Parents, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but do what? Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, I didn't know. My dad was away most of the time when I was growing up. I didn't know how to be a father, so I had to find out. I searched not only the scriptures, but also the Christian bookshops. And I found books that were talking to the fathers. And I educated myself in how to be a father, how to discipline my children with love. Hello? And then as an employer, what does the word say about me as an employer? Treat your workers fairly. Pay them what is due. Amen? Treat them as human beings. Be compassionate towards them. 
Don't be a harsh taskmaster. Hello? So locate yourself in the Word. Find yourself in there, and then allow the Spirit to guide you what those good works are. Loving your wife is a good work. Being in subjection to your own husband is a good work. Hello? Amen. This is clearly revealed in the epistles Paul wrote to Titus and Timothy instructing them to point these good works to the people that were shepherding. Listen to what Paul writes to Titus. The older man, be sober. Is that a good work? Well, what's the opposite of sober? Don't be drunk. (laughs) Reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. Then he addresses the older women. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderous, not given to much wine. And listen to this. Teachers of good things that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. All of these are good works that God already prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen? Then he goes on to say, Likewise exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of what? Good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back and toying in the street, <laughs> but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Then he has an instruction for the rich folk. Paul, again writing to Timothy, exhorts him, and he says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in what? In good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up, for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So as I close my message today, I encourage you, if you had not done this so far, to search the Scriptures. Locate yourself in them. Find yourself in them. Amen? You are a part of this church. What does the Word say? I remember when I studied the Scriptures about my local church. I was there to support my pastor. I was there to pray for the people that were part of that spiritual family that I was part of. That's where I began my ministry. I was there to support the church financially. Amen? And be there 
make myself available to do whatever the Spirit prompted me to do, whatever my elders called upon me to do. Next week we're going to go into that, because this is not finished yet. Amen? Praise the Lord forevermore. Okay, I think I've come to the end of it, and I trust you got something today that will help you. That is, as we face this new year, we know that our goal is to fulfill our God-given works that are assigned for us to do this year. Amen? And as I mentioned last week, I believe that unemployment is the number one cause of all the violence, the thieving, the killing that is taking place in South Africa. Unemployed people get up to mischief. But I also believe that spiritual unemployment is also the number one cause that causes believers to derail from the purpose and fall into mischief. Hello? Let's stand and pray. Thank God for His Word. I don't know, Lord, what we would do without Your Word. May, Father, we come to realize the value of Your precious Word, both the written Word, but also the living Word, which is none other than Jesus Himself. As we face this new year that we have just embarked, we pray, Lord, that we would make ourselves available to you to be and to do whatever you want us to do. Minister to us through the Scriptures. Minister to us, Lord, through the Holy Spirit. Reveal yourself in a greater measure, I pray. Reveal to each and every one of us, but also to this household that we call Alpha and Omega. Reveal those works which you have assigned and planned for us to do together. We ask this in Jesus' name, and we thank you for it. Amen and amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.